Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Over the weekend, the unnecessarily large amount of time I spend on Twitter actually paid off. I saw something that I never thought I'd see. Bishop Barron agreeing with Vigano. No, he didn't agree with him in the manner that you'd think or hope that he eventually does, but he does reinforce what Vigano has been saying about the Second Vatican Council. And that's a big deal. One worth really looking at. So let's do just that, because Barron has been one of the main stalwart defenders of the council in the U.S. as of late, taking to his popular internet show and other programs to offer his typically mild-mannered and thoughtful defense of the council that is easy to understand for the viewing audience. And I'll be up front, Bishop Barron is very good at what he does, and it shows in his work and in his popularity, and in the past I found a lot of his work helpful. That has since changed for me, but I do my best to have the appropriate level of respect for Bishop Barron. Anyway, I'm going to get right into this for you. Bishop Barron describes what happened at the council as a battle between two forces, the more conservative on the one hand and on the other the group of the Nouveau Theologiae. I'll let him speak for himself on this. Here's the clip used in accordance with U.S. fair use laws. Under his aegis, all these forces sort of come together at Vatican II. And if you want to put it this way, they do battle. Because now, Gary Lagrange himself was, was in his dotage at that time. He wasn't involved. But someone like Cardinal Ottaviani, who was the head of the Holy Office at the time, would have represented that point of view and, and many people with him. They, they did battle, you might say, in the, in the salon and the classrooms and in the, in the churches and so on at Vatican II and on the floor of the council to some degree. The debates happen, and then we have these great texts of Vatican II that I think it's very fair to say, whether it's Lumen Gentium, Gaudium et Spes, Dignitatis Humanae, um, uh, Sacrosatum Concilium on the liturgy, they represent the victory of the Nouvelle Theologie stream over the more conservative Gariou Lagrange uh, stream. Look, there's a lot of names he listed there. I've covered what is commonly called the Ottoviani intervention for a weekend upload in the past. I highly, highly recommend you listen to it. Archbishop Lefebvre was one of the writers of that intervention, which was an attempt to preserve access to the Mass of the Ages for the Church, and it pointed out errors in the original version of the proposed Novus Ordo Missae. Again, I have the full text recorded for those interested in hearing it. Lagrange is another figure named here by Barron, and I've featured his work in the past, and he was one of the great theologians who had influenced the, what we'll call, Catholic group at the Council. I have no other honest way of describing it, because, to put it bluntly, the Nouveau Theologiae was suppressed by the Vatican to the best of its ability prior to the Council, which is to say not terribly well at all, given what we know about the state of the Church in the decades prior to the Second Vatican Council. Bishop Barron is, in that clip from his show, admitting in a weird way that Vigano was right, at least about one claim he is making about the Second Vatican Council. The summer has been truly the summer of Vigano, with a letter appearing online somewhere from Archbishop Vigano almost every week. 
This past week, he released three public statements, two of which are available online elsewhere. Look to the mailbag video I put on Sunday, September 27th, for a link to where you can hear them. He's very very active in linking the groups at the council, who were victorious there to essentially Uncle Ted and his protégés today. That connection is obvious for me to see, and it probably is for Bishop Barron and the others as well. This isn't merely Archbishop Vigano calling the Second Vatican Council into question. It's calling the entire state of the present hierarchy into question, and that clearly is something that cannot be allowed to go unchallenged. Vigano expressed his point on Vatican II for the first time to Phil Lawler in June of 2020. This set off a cascade of events, including numerous letters from him and other prelates defending or taking on the council itself. Three months later, this debate continues today. Here is the meat of what Vigano said in June from that interview. Vigano begins by describing how what Baron would call the Nouveau Theologiae group had been ready for the council, so ready, in fact, that they were able to, quote, succeed in rejecting the perfectly orthodox preparatory schemas that had been prepared by cardinals and prelates with a reliable fidelity to the church, replacing them with a bundle of cleverly disguised errors behind long-winded and deliberately equivocal speeches. No one could have believed that, right under the vaults of the Vatican Basilica, the estates general could be convoked that would, decree, that would decree the abdication of the Catholic Church and the inauguration of France in 1789. A note here from Phil Lawler is, I have already mentioned in a previous article, Cardinal Suenens called Vatican II the 1789 of the Church. End quote. Vigano goes on to describe a fast one that was pulled on the well-meaning members of the hierarchy before describing the situation the well-meaning prelates found themselves in. Quote, they found themselves in the minority in the linguistic groups, excluded from meetings convened at the last moment, pressured into giving their placet by making them believe that the Holy Father wanted it. And what the innovators did not succeed in obtaining in the conciliar aula, they achieved in the commissions and committees, thanks also to the work of theologians and Pariti, who were accredited and acclaimed by a powerful opinion machine. There is a vast array of studies and documents that testify to this mentality of some of the council fathers on the one hand, and the naive optimism or carelessness of other well-intentioned council fathers on the other. The activity of the coitus internationalis patrum, the opposing the innovators, could do little or nothing when the violations of the rules by the innovators were ratified at the sacred table itself by the Pope. End quote. As usual, a link to this is in the show notes at returntotradition.org. Before Vigano, this sort of claim was typically made by, well, by people like us, those who had read about the Council from historic sources and engaged with the, the work of those who had been in this work before us, like the good folks at Catholic Family News and the late great John Venari and Father Gruner, or the Matt family at The Remnant, among others, from the initial way of preser preservation of Catholicism. A lot of this has been going on since practically the Council itself. You know, we're all relatively new to this. You know, those folks who had some very, very unpleasant things said about them by those defending the spirit of Vatican II. By the way, it is worth noting that for Vigano, the spirit of Vatican II is indistinguishable from the Council itself. From that same interview, quote, When we commonly speak of the spirit of an event, we mean precisely that it constitutes the soul, the essence of that event. We can thus affirm that the spirit of the Council is the Council itself, that the errors of the post-conciliar period were contained in Nuce in the conciliar acts, just as it is rightly said that the Novus Ordo is the Mass of the Council. Even if the presence of the Council Fathers, the Mass was celebrated that the, that the innovators significantly call pre-conciliar. 
And once again, if Vatican II truly did not represent a point of rupture, what is the reason for speaking of a pre-conciliar church and a post-conciliar church, as if these two were different entities, defined in their essence by the council itself? And if the council was truly in line with the uninterrupted and fallible magisterium of the church, why is it that the council that poses grave and serious problems of interpretation demonstrates its ontological heterogeneity with respect to other councils? End quote. It's a good question, and one we may not know this side of the particular judgment. People attempt to dismiss Vigano's criticism and the same thinking from critics that came before him as the stuff of the fringe. But here's the thing. It's an established fact of history that John XXIII and Cardinal Odoviani had documents prepared for the Council, some of which I have here on this channel. They were soundly rejected by the efforts of a group of Pariti who had been ready for the Council and had wanted to use the Council to make modernism triumphant in our time. They succeeded, probably beyond their wildest dreams, and they admitted their efforts after the Council. They did so publicly. It's all a matter of public record. And now we get to live with the fruits of their labors. The backpedaling that has been done in recent years by those more aware of the situation to try to recast the council in line with magisterial authority of the church historically is what gets called the hermeneutic of continuity. And while understandable and maybe even laudable, the truth is that these ideas embodied by the Nouveau Theologiae and its most influential members, like Teilhard de Chardin before the council, had been rejected and refuted by the church in the years prior to the council from the very highest offices in Rome. That line of thinking was triumphant after the council. Bishop Barron admits it himself, though he'd probably downplay severely the reaction to the Nouveau Theologiae from Rome in the decades prior. Let me know what you think about Barron's words. Is it surprising? You know, I don't think so, to be honest, other than in the way he worded what he said in response to the question he'd been asked. He probably could have worded it better, and maybe in hindsight he wishes he had. Or maybe not. I don't know. Let me know your thoughts on this in the comments, and please pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.